Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from 1 Corinthians. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided, through the foolishness of our proclamation, to save those who believe. A Gospel reading from the second chapter of John. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for forty-six years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body, and he was raised from the dead. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Grace and peace to you. My friends in Christ, uh, none of us likes to admit that we've got an angry side. None of us really likes to have that part of our side of our temper to be out there on full display either, do we? We don't want people to know that we can actually get a little bit mad and that there are things that might set us off. Now, I don't know about you, but this pandemic has quelled the flames of much anger and we see it kind of bursting out and popping out in all sorts of ways. Maybe it's because we have more time alone or more time to get worked up over a certain issue and don't have other people to have face-to-face conversations with to to help us to kind of back down from our anger. But maybe we're also having more time to see that the world just isn't set up for all people to succeed. I, I don't know, but there's more people that we can see who are struggling. There are Maybe some of us, too, who are gathered here, that either we or a family member or a good friend has had their dreams or their their life's work significantly impacted by this coronavirus. And we struggle to understand why there are some companies or leaders who've become even wealthier, yet there are many who suffer and are on the edge of financial collapse or have already gone over the edge. When Texas was devastated by the recent energy crisis, 
the image that kind of pops in my mind that, that kind of signifies this is the image of Jerry Jones. He's the owner of the Dallas Cowboys football team. And he's also the owner of a gas company. And so he's been featured prominently as one of the winners of the energy crisis. Yet his fan base, the very people who he has also counted on to support his team, and literally, in many cases, have frozen to death. This idea of the rich getting richer, I can't even fathom being handed an invoice saying that I now owe $10,000 to pay my electric bill. Would you be able to afford that if someone handed that to you today? It just doesn't feel fair. And part of it is because we know it isn't right. Yeah, it may be legal, but it just doesn't feel like it's okay. On top of all of that, with the coronavirus being so devastating, the part that's frustrating is that we don't have a lot of control. We don't have control over the response. We don't have control over the outcomes. We just kind of have to take things day at a time and bit by bit. And maybe this has led to more anger for us. Anger over the way things are managed. Anger over when, if we'll get a vaccine, and how, and who, and all of those questions are swirling around us. And a lot of that has to do with our inability to have uh, control. And our inability to be able to, to deal with all of the changes that are being thrown at us. And I get frustrated too. I wish we could just snap our fingers And everything could just go back to normal. But will we ever know normal again? It's not like we're Texas. I know another Texas joke here, but like, it's not as simple as just saying it's over and everything can go back to normal. We know that this has got to be a gradual process. But I think about this, I think about the story of Noah, the story of the flood. The story of all of the rain and then the rain stop. And what does Noah do? Noah sends out the dove. And eventually that dove returns and it comes back with a fig, with a leaf, with a sign of hope. And it's not like just the next day all of the water has receded. But this is a gradual process. Eventually, this sanctuary will fill up again. We will all start to be able to gather again soon. I'm excited. I know you are excited too. We can't wait to be able to worship in each other's presence physically again. But it's going to take a little time. And my hunch is that when we do start coming back together, that our eyes are going to have a different lens. We're going to see the world a little bit differently than we did a year ago. I hope we will. And I know that I already do. We've gone through a shared experience, and we can all relate to the trials and tribulations now of our neighbors because we've gone through it together. We've witnessed events in our world that have shown us the darkness. We have seen evil play out in front of us. And now, what do we do with it? How do we go forward? I mean, what do we do with what's going on? Because we see what happens when the empire can take advantage. And it leads to things like destruction and greed and predators. And we aren't naive. I mean, we accept that in in this kingdom, in this world, that often there is this idea of survival of the fittest and and the rich getting richer and the strong uh, exerting their power. But what about God's view of the kingdom? 
How does God look at the world that we dwell in? How does God expect us to respond when we see that kingdom around us being corrupted and cracked and broken? And then it leads me to the question of, can anger ever be a good thing? Is there ever such a thing as righteous anger? Now, let me just ask you a question. If I asked you to tell me about Jesus, then just do it. Like, what are some of the things that when you think about Jesus, what are your first thoughts? Oh, I, I bet you could tell me some of those characteristics and qualities that would be so uplifting and powerful. And you could tell me about God's love and how you've seen Jesus and his life play out in such a way. But my hunch is that anger would probably not be at the very top of your list. But Jesus is frequently displaying righteous anger throughout the Gospels. Jesus is always calling out the systems of oppression, calling out selfish behaviors, always calls out hypocrisy when he sees it. We might not associate his actions with his emotions, but it's there plain and simple right in front of our faces when we open up the Bible and we see the anger that Jesus has. We see it in the story today as Jesus is walking into the temple in Jerusalem and he takes a look around and he does not like what he sees. He sees poor people in the community who are being taken advantage of. He sees prices driven up because Passover is near and you have to have an animal to be purchased for your sacrifice. And if you don't have that sacrifice ready and if you don't pay premium prices, shame's going to be placed on your family. You will be an outcast. You will feel like you do not belong. Do you think that's why Jesus responds the way he does? I want to tell you something very important. We cannot buy the love of God. We cannot, with any amount of money in our wallets, purchase exclusive access to the right hand of the Father to put us ahead or to put us above our neighbors. Yet, given that opportunity to financially capitalize on the needs of the people, the temple has turned itself into a marketplace. And Jesus responds. And Jesus is angry. He makes a whip. He drives out the animals. He pours out the money. And he starts flipping tables. And in response, the leaders of the temple are just as angry. What right do you have to do this? What sign do you have that you can show us that's going to justify these horrible actions that you're doing, Jesus? And there it is. It's right at the beginning of John's gospel that we get a glimpse into the whole meaning of Jesus and what Jesus is all about. Why did Jesus die? I think it goes right to the heart of this story. Jesus upsets the people who profit the most from the systems of oppression. And when people who are in power are being told to cut it out, they don't like it. They don't treat him as the child of God. They treat him as an enemy of the state. And because of that, they'll kill him. This is in the second chapter of John's gospel. So hold on, folks. There's a whole lot more to come. Jesus is going to use the rest of the stories in John's gospel to up 
upend our entire understanding of the kingdom, to flip the tables of what we see and are told and in a consumer-driven society are told are the measuring sticks. And he's telling us there is a whole different way. And most importantly, Jesus is going to show us that way, show us how to live in that kingdom, to show us that our lives do matter in how, in how God's kingdom will come to be. Jesus gets angry, and that anger turns into this display of righteousness. And anger in the church can turn into action. And anger can be a really good thing. So a few stories. I think about one of our, Nancy, uh, one of our members here at Faith, Nancy. A- Nancy was angry. And she, she called me up and said, I need to talk about this. She was horrified, really, because she had just watched something on 60 Minutes. And she, she wanted to ask me what I thought about the devastating humanitarian crisis that was happening in Syria a few years ago. There were many people who were unsettled, displaced, and there was no place for them. Their homes were destroyed. They had to go. And who would take them in? And so she saw a church in Georgia respond, and she said, Pastor John, we can do that. And so we, Faith Lutheran, have done that. We have helped over a dozen refugee families in this past year with computers and kitchen kitchen essentials and vacuum cleaners and supplies and items for babies. I would say over the last four to five years, we've been able to help over 30 families because of this refugee ministry here at Faith Lutheran. Or what about Bill and Jill? They were feeling unsettled too, and they were frustrated because they could witness the poverty that was around them. They could witness as they saw people lining the streets with signs asking for money, and any little bit helps. And they started to discern that between the two of them, they thought money might not necessarily be the most helpful answer when they were driving by someone who was in need. But they thought, you know, the needs of our neighbor could still be met. And so Bill and Jill invited us into a new ministry. Remember these? The mana packs? The invitation when you would see somebody on the side of the road to offer this to them and to know that, yes, there was some food and, yes, there was some nutrition, but there was also a pair of socks that could immediately go on someone's feet to provide some comfort and to, to provide something dry. I've had people come up to me and tell me about how they've provided a mana pack to someone and it led to a conversation. And all of a sudden, seeing the shared humanity between two people about how this relationship with this person that we are just passing by, that there was a story behind that person's life. We have to start seeing people for who they are as being a shared brother or sister in the kingdom. Manipak Ministry has helped us to do that. Whether those emotions that we have are anger or frustration or even just seeing people in, in, a, in a crisis, how do we respond? You know, these are the stories that we tell in church because they're the ones that inspire us to live out our faith. How the church has an ability to, to see humanity for who it is and to say that we can mobilize and help individuals and we can walk alongside them. We can do things together that will make a big difference. 
Or like one of our high school students, Karen, and, and she put this video together that uh, some of you even saw earlier in the week with the, with the weekly email. And all of a sudden, this bin is full again as we are able to see people responding by bringing in the plastic items that normal, normally wouldn't be able to be recycled. And Karen, who's doing this for National Honor Society, reached out and found an organization that was able to take these items and repurpose them. Because she doesn't want to live in a, on, a, on a planet where all of this ends up in the ocean, where that our beautiful creation is destructed by our own work. And she said, I want to be able to do something that would help. And I'm going to reach out to my church and say, church, come along with me. Let's take care of our creation together. By bringing in our trash, our garbage, our things that we don't need, we are taking care of the world. Thank you, Karen. We can see problems all around us. Childhood hunger, homelessness, or even homelessness with veterans, kids falling behind in school, or people who don't have access to a computer, and we, as a church, can respond We do that with a food drive, like rangers helping rangers, or bringing in snacks, or buying a tiny house for David, a veteran, and walking alongside him so he has advocates who will be there for him. Or FLURB, that really cool, fun acronym that we got introduced to in the fall, and all of us started bringing in our old laptops that we don't need anymore. And the tech team is refurbishing them so that they can go to students who are in need who don't have access to a computer at home. Or our quilters, our mission quilters, who are working diligently and have sent a huge batch of quilts that they had made together to our neighbors down in St. Paul. Or any of you who have brought in items for stepping stones, walking with a purpose, the food drives that we've had. All of these things, I could keep going, but you care. We care, faith. And we respond. And that's what excites me about this church. That we continue to face those systems of oppression and say, kingdom and empire, you're not going to win. We are stronger than you. And we have a voice. And we will stand up to injustice. Because out of that anger, folks, is something far, far, far more powerful Do you know what it is? It's love. And Jesus gets angry for us because Jesus loves us. Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. And Jesus gets angry that we feel that weight of all of the sins and all of the evil and all of that corruption on our shoulders and says, I love you so immensely that I'm going to stand up to all of those who, un, who unwillingly keep shoving you down. And so we move forward, faith. And we're going to see that we actually have some power to face some of those systems of oppression. And guess what? We actually are some of those leaders. We are in those systems, and we actually have the power to influence and change some of those systems that would, in other ways, be corrupted. And what, will, what are we going to do with that power? You see, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about how do we use that power? How do, we, how do we make change within the system? Next week, we're going to talk about education. And we're going to talk about how within community organizing, when we are enlightened and when we can learn ways to be able to face these systems, we can do some very powerful things. 
And we're going to explore it through one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. But perhaps we'll do it with a different lens. Because God so loved the world that we won't perish. But what are we going to do with this eternal life that we've been given? What are we going to do with that promise? Well, Jesus has something to say about that. And through Jesus' love, we are given that opportunity to share that love with the world as well. I hope you join me next week as we dig into what that beautiful promise looks like. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.